0: ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to today's episode of Uncaped Heroes. We're grateful that you've taken some time out of your day to sit back, relax, and meet yet another amazing individual that does extraordinary things in the lives of other people. My name is Stacey Johnston. I'm honored to be here with you today and riding solo. My co-host is unavailable and in so I'm on my own and all excited because here I am sitting in the middle of this beautiful blessing. Um. I feel honored in my day to get to meet the people that I get to meet and have the conversations that I do. So let's get this show on the road. Without further ado, we have a lovely lady joining us from Denver, Colorado today. This is Ann Kaplan. How are you today? Great, Stacey. Thanks. Oh, you're welcome. We're so glad you're here with us. So get us started. Tell us who is Ann Kaplan. What do you do? How come you do that? And how can we connect with you? <laughs>
1: Wow, those are like really deep questions in a weird way. <laughs> well, I like you said. My name's Ann Kaplan. I am a parent coach, and I work with families that have kids all different ages, from infants to empty nesters. And um, yeah, how do I? So, what do you say? Who am I? How? Do, what do I do? Why do I do it? And how can you connect yeah. with me? So, why do I do? Yeah. <laughs> why do I do what I do? How did you I, get into parent coaching? Um, yeah. So um, I've worked with families for about 15 years now um, in different ways. I used to be a childbirth educator and a birth doula, but, uh, you know, as my kids grew and my clients' kids grew, I found myself fielding more and more questions about parenting and also seeing so many parallels between the ideas that were really helpful in having good birth outcomes to also those exact same ideas applying to parenting, those ideas of, like, surrender and advocacy and trust and things like that. And so my practice just kind of naturally transitioned into um, working with families around parenting instead of around birth. And at this point, I've been doing that for six or seven years. And mm-hmm. and I love it. It's something I'm super passionate about. I have four kids of my own, and I personally brought a lot of intention to my parenting when I had my first kid. I knew for sure I did not want to raise him the way that I was raised, but I didn't know a whole lot else what to do instead. <laughs> so right. I wound up having to figure that out and educate myself and learn about it. And I did not realize how much of my own self-work was going to be required to be able to show up the way that I wanted to for my kids. And so now it's kind yeah. of my mission in life to help other families do that and maybe not, not have such a hard time at it as I did.
0: Oh, I think that's so beautiful. I spent about 12 years working as a family services specialist in the behavioral health field, mm-hmm. just really helping families figure out how to stay together and, and helping parents learn who, who it was that lived in their house. You know, so many of them yeah quality time with their children since they went to kindergarten and uh right it's been a lot of time like do you know who this little 12 year old is that lives with you and really kind of yeah getting to know each other yeah Mm -hmm. so it's such an important thing and i do you find that people are sometimes or is there do do you see a stigma or is it getting less around reaching out for help around parenting
1: you know, it's interesting because you're you're onto something there. When I first started my practice, I did talk to a lot more parents who were feeling like, "Oh, it's embarrassing. I shouldn't need help. I I don't want anyone to know. There's something the matter with me. This is my kid, and it's my responsibility. I should figure it out myself." But I will say, like in the, the last year or so, I, I really haven't been hearing that as much at all from parents, and I think. I think there is a big shift in our culture around these ideas of mental wellness and life skills and, you know, just reaching out for help and not feeling like you're supposed to figure it out all by
0: yourself. Right. You know, I think I've really watched it happen in the last couple of years. In the last two Mm -hmm. or three years, I've really seen a difference. I think once families were shut down, and in a position where Mm -hmm. they had no options but to spend all day, every day together. A lot of parents, Mm -hmm. how many parents did you see? go? How do you feed your children three times a day? And how do you do school? And I don't even know these little people. And it was so shocking to me how many parents had a difficult time spending that time with their children.
1: It is, and and I will say that was a big uh, surge in my business, too, because I think, I always say, like, the pandemic didn't create problems, it just revealed problems. And we were able to, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we were able <laughs> to kind of white knuckle it around with our kids for um, when before the pandemic. But, you know, you just can't white knuckle it through an indefinite amount of time with no space and no breaks. You know, you're going to have to right. actually address those problems head on,
0: finally. You really are. You know, I've said over and over, we're one of the only multiple sets of generations of people that ever got to live one of the euphemisms we've heard all our lives. I mean, how many times have you heard someone say, Well, hindsight's 2020? Right? Mm-hmm. A million. And we actually got to mm-hmm. live 2020. What's, what's your hindsight from
1: 2020?
0: You know, yeah. That's a blind, <laughs> so many people going, You know what I've learned in the last couple of years? And it really, like you said, it brought such awareness to things that people Mm -hmm. didn't talk about, right? And now there's all this space space being provided for people to go, you know, it's okay to not be okay over here because we can all get better together. And I think that's also new. It's cool. It's a really cool thing to see how much space there's being provided for people to just get better. Mm
1: -hmm. I agree. And it's just a huge surge in, like, the demand for mental health care and things like that. And, I mean, this is maybe one of the silver linings to that a whole chapter that we've all gone through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What we learned. We can just carry the things we learned in 2020 with us and live that hindsight mm-hmm. with so many things, right? So many things will be wonderful. Yeah. Right, I love it. I love it. I love what you do. All right, so let me ask you a different question in a different realm. With all this time that you mm-hmm. spent, like going from your 15 years working as a do by the way, I, I really appreciate that. My daughter's a labor and delivery nurse, so I have a good oh, cool. <laughs> divine appreciation for that part. Yeah. Um, but with all the things mm-hmm. you've done and the places that you've been, if you had to define the word hero, what would be your definition mm-hmm. for that? And have you met someone along the way that fits that description for you?
1: Yeah. I would say, to me, a hero is someone who, um, you know, really lives with integrity and walks their talk that's one of my highest values just in my own personal life. And I think, especially with the work I do with parents, I see all the time that we we often have this idea or this commitment that we make of how we want to be as parents and how we want to serve our kids. But, you know, it's easy to say and hard to do. And, and it takes a lot of bravery and humility and Slowing down and vulnerability to actually be able to walk that talk. And I will say that um, I don't want to say that it's a rare thing because I obviously that's, it's what I do every day. I help families do that. Um, but I think it's a rare thing to see somebody who just naturally manages to do that without, without stumbling, without getting um, help. But to me, even getting help is something heroic because you know, if, if that's your highest ideal, you're not going to let anything get in the way or stop you from, from doing it. If that means, you know, I will figure this out. If that means I need to get help, if that means I need to admit that I don't know what I'm doing and, you know, talk about, right. you know, the mistakes I've made and everything, I, I'm, that's okay, but I'm not going to give up on this because it's, it's
0: too important. Mm, beautiful. Beautiful definition. Who you met along the way that fits that description for you?
1: <laughs> well, I try to live that description myself. I don't know if I, if I could say that I'm a hero necessarily, but uh, uh,
0: you're, you're probably more of a hero to more people maybe, than you think. Of that.
1: Maybe <clears> that's that I I'll I'll give you that. That's a possibility. But I would say honestly, my clients, you know, a lot of my clients are just everyday run-of-the-mill parents who just know that they're not really walking their talk and they really want to make sure that happens and they reach out to me and they, you know, they're willing to actually put their money where their mouth is and their time where their mouth is and all that stuff. But I also have a lot of clients who've reached out to me because they've fallen on hard times in their parenting. Like they might have a court mandate to work with a parenting professional. They might have um, just come through a divorce or be working towards getting shared custody with their children. And these parents, Um, have been through hell and I watch them you know they could just be working with me because they have to just to tick a box but I've never actually had that experience with a parent even the ones who are quote-unquote being forced to work with me they they bring so much curiosity and integrity and intention and passion to their work And I just watch, like, you know, not every parent will do that. You know, a parent might lose custody of their child and just be like, well, that's bad, and walk away. But these Mm -hmm. parents are willing to, you know, move mountains to repair their relationships and show up differently and learn what they don't know and face what they, mistakes they've made. And I find that really heroic to watch them, you know, just really, really work through everything to come out the other side. Better parents than than most people you meet, probably. Mm,
0: beautiful. You know, parenting. I I loved being a parent. I had three kids of my own that I birthed, and like twelve that I raised, just because I got to. I got that <laughs> opportunity. right? I love them. It's my favorite job. I've done lots of things in my life, but being a mom is probably my favorite thing that I've ever done. I just uh-huh. enjoyed raising my children. Um, so to, you know, when when I worked in in as a family services specialist, I. So much gratitude. I would come home and say thank you for that not being the path we're walking. You know? Right. So much gratitude. That you you, yeah, that you really get an appreciation.
1: Family.
0: You do. But you mm-hmm. see parents, I mean, they don't come with an owner's manual, right? They don't come with an off switch or an mm-hmm. owner's manual or a pause button. They walk in and they're forever. And it's, you can only bring to the table what you know. And if you didn't have a positive right. experience in, in your own raising, then you have very little of that to bring to the table. So it all becomes that's right. that's a big work
1: it's an extra mandate we have when we have to overcome our past to be able to parent. Well, it's, we reparent ourselves. We become cycle breakers on top of being, you know, the best parents we can be. And, you know, it is a, it's a weighty burden, but also, it's, um, you know, an amazing opportunity. But I think it's like what you said before about when you were working with families and you were saying that, you know, part of your job was helping them to actually get to know this person that they were raising. Like, What you're talking about is attunement, and that's exactly when people say, like, oh, kids don't come with an owner's manual. They don't, but they don't need one because they are their own owner's manual. If you actually attune to your child and pay attention to them and see who they really are, you don't need anything external to tell you how to parent them. They they will show you the way. They are the owner's manual.
0: Amen. They will. And it's the difference in in watching your kids grow up and – and engaging with your children as they grow, helping them become what they're supposed to become, right? I mean, the grand overall design looked around one day and decided the world needed that one and gave you the opportunity that's, to help raise it. There's a reason for that. That's like, right, absolutely. It. You have everything you need. I was told my parents, like, you don't have to try to be the best mom in the world. You just have to try to be the best mom mm-hmm. for your, kid. right. For your then, kids. Right. And even then,
1: you'll certainly fall short, but it's not that's not a problem. It's okay. Human beings are made to be in relationships with other human beings, which means that we're designed to be able to thrive in relationships with flawed individuals and overcome mistakes and hardships and obstacles. And, you know, a parent-child relationship it's long. It's a long, long relationship. There's going to absolutely be ups and downs through the arc of that that lifetime of that relationship and, and mistakes and you're both are going to hurt each other and you're both make mistakes and, and come back together again. And, and none of that is a problem. You know, that's how yeah. a system designed.
0: Exactly. That's how it's supposed to work. And it does. If you just let it so many times, so many times, mm-hmm. let me ask you another question along this journey. Mm-hmm. Is there a last lesson that you've learned that you think everybody ought to know? What's a life lesson you'd share?
1: <laughs> a life lesson. I mean, I think it's some something along the lines of what we've already been talking about—that that acceptance of of your failures, of your mistakes. That's not to see those as things that you're supposed to, you know, feel ashamed of or, or make perfect or anything like that. I also think there's a big piece in the work I do with my clients that is about non attachment. That we're not there to control or manage or get certain behaviors out of our children. And the more attached we are to that, the less effective we are as parents. And if you mm. can get to the place where you don't have that agenda anymore that you're you know, that you're not so attached to well, it needs to be like this or my kid's behaving this way and it's so embarrassing or, you know, all those things that that uh, that attachment we get to our children's behavior is um being able to let go of that is I think if you can do that you're 90% to perfection in parenting in my opinion.
0: Wow. That's that what a great goal. You know? What a great goal. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this, how much do you think fear plays into some of that?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, all it's all fear and the ego. You know, we have, well, we, we all come to parenting with these ideas about what it's supposed to look like, what a good parent is, what our job is as a parent. And then um, when our kids misbehave or they don't, it doesn't look like what we thought, we do two things. We get, you know, we try to control that situation and change it by controlling our child because, as you say, we're, we're fearful what if this means that my kid's going to not be successful in life or whatever. But then the other thing mm-hmm. is we think it means something about us and that's also scary. So we have fear of what's going to happen to this person I love. And we also have fear of facing the fact that whatever it might mean to us that we didn't do a good job or something like that. And that we don't want to face that. And both of those right. fears lead us to become very controlling We have a very big agenda with our children. It's really hard, especially as your kids get older. I always challenge my clients to say, think of the last time you had a conversation with your kid and you weren't trying to achieve anything in that talk. You weren't trying to get Mm. them to to do something or see something your way or teach them a life lesson. You weren't doing any of that. You were just being with them. And most parents have a really hard time thinking of that. You know, let's say your kid comes to you and says, oh, you know, so-and-so at school cheated on a test. Well, immediately our mommy brain gets turned on and we're like, oh, this, isn't, this is a teachable moment. Let's talk about cheating and why you shouldn't cheat and blah, blah, blah. And now you've missed the chance to have just an actual connection with your kid because you're trying to get your kid from point A to point B. You want your kid to learn this lesson about cheating. And, you know, now that's a wasted opportunity. And we think it's, oh, I'm taking advantage of this opportunity. But what's much more profound for children is a healthy attachment to their parents. That is a way more predictive of their success in life than the fact that their, their parents drilled into them that you shouldn't cheat on a test.
0: Amen. Let's talk to them like a friend every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Be there with them. I love that. I love that concept. It's so hard because I think we get caught up in, in um, society's regulations that this is what a parent ought to do and this is how you ought to act and this is, you know, you can't be their friend until they're 25 and so many of these things we think we have to live up to. And it's an individual experience and exercise in mm-hmm. so many things just being with that person just learning who they are watching them become That's That's absolutely you, go you just
1: have to yeah. look at it more as a relationship than as a job
0: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly right those days a job right well, if it's an adventure every day then you know tell you what are we going to learn today what are we going to get to do today I love it. I love watching. I love watching my children be parents. I have such a great time watching them be grown ups and be parents, and watch how they parent and what they took forward. Yeah. You know. And what they adapted. I
1: haven't gotten that experience yet, but I am really looking forward to it. And I hope I'll do. I'll take all of my own advice and, you know, and my own medicine, medal, yeah. You know, not offer my opinion and for and all
0: those things. <laughs> uh well you know good luck with that you'll offer it every once in a while I'm just saying but the cool thing i think about being a <laughs> grandparent <is> that, <laughs> you will you'll throw it in there um no the cool thing i think about being a grandparent for me is that we get to wonder you know yeah. I, i've been through the science test and the reading log and i've been through all those things with my kids and got them grown and they're doing a great job and i get to wonder they get to worry about the science test i get the fascination with bugs and bubbles and stars and we just get to play in that thing that fascinate them the very most. I'm not responsible for that other part. I, I think that's what we do with being a we get, to, we get to wonder. You know, I know that I was so busy trying to be a great mom, and I was, you know, all my T's crossed and I's dotted and backpacks and, you know, oranges at soccer and whatever, that I missed probably a lot of the wonder in their engagement in life. Yeah.
1: My, my mother that, and my mother-in-law both said that being a grandparent is like,
0: just the ultimate. It's Ten times more fun than being a mom. <laughs>
1: Apparently, that's what I've heard. It's anyway. just different.
0: It's just different. You know, it's not more love. It's just a different kind of love. It's uh, sure. I, I, I love it's yeah, it's the coolest thing ever. So you'll get there one day, and it's worth the wait. It is worth the wait. Yeah. If you watch your children be great parents, you can pat yourself on the back. You did okay. okay. Your kids are taking good things yeah. to the table. Yeah. And it matters. All right, one more question. So here you stand on the okay. stage as the hero that you probably are to more people that you know in a day. So thank you for the space that you provide and the healing that you bring <laughs> people. Um, it's necessary. Thank you for being that light for so many people. So with your cape firmly in place, crown attached, this is your opportunity to make a one-liner of wisdom to the world. What does your T-shirt say? Yes. What's your one-liner of wisdom? My,
1: my T-shirt? What is your
0: one-liner of wisdom?
1: Oh, man. If my clients were here right now, they would be all yelling different one-liners at me. that They've heard me say like 300 times. But I would say the one that I say the most frequently right now is engage with the emotion, not the story. Meaning actually meet your kid where they're at and respond to their emotions, not whatever story they're telling you about. Everything is terrible. So-and-so hates me. I have no friends or whatever. Of course, we know the story is not true, but the emotion is very real. So engage with the emotion, not the story.
0: Oh, what beautiful is that? I got chills. <laughs> that was a good one. I like it. Thank you. It's yeah. so cool. We've asked this question like 325 times, I think, we've asked this question, and I don't have one single repeat.
1: Oh, that's so cool. I love that.
0: It is the coolest thing ever. I mean, everybody has this little one line of wisdom that they would share, and they're all different. Not one person has repeated someone else. I just am fascinated. Right? If I had a t shirt for every one of these, I would have a power closet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just walk
0: in every day and go, yes. Power closet. <laughs> oh, you know, they are. They're Because they're all about a conversation. Somebody would go, what does that mean? And how many conversations yeah. could you have around engage with emotion, not a story? Yeah. Totally. Ah, I
1: love it. It's applicable all the time in all relationships always, including your relationship with yourself. You know, don't engage mm-hmm. with your own story about, you know, oh, this person was mean to me or I can't succeed or I have this problem or that problem. Like that's your story. Get to the emotion behind it and actually give that some TLC. That's,
0: mm. you
1: know, that's a big, big difference than, totally feeding into your story and just you know and reinforcing the walls of your prison you know what I mean
0: oh great advice girl. beautiful well <laughs> I've had a great time I could just keep having this conversation all day long but with respect to you and your time and the respect to our audience we are going to have to find a place to wind down so I would like to start by saying thank you again for your time for your wisdom yep. for what you do for the space you provide for joining me here today it's been such a pleasure to get to know you and I would love to turn over the stage to you and let you close out our show. Give us the last 90 seconds. How would you like to leave our audience today?
1: Oh, well, I guess first I'd leave you with ways to get in touch with me if you need to or want to. And then, um, yeah, just wish everybody well. So if you do want to get in touch with me, my website is anncaplinparentcoach.com. And you can also get my free guide to getting kids to listen the first time. And that's the bit.ly link. It's at bit.ly slash kids who listen. Those are probably the best ways to find me and get in my world and universe. And then other than that, I just want to wish everybody amazing relationships, super grounded connections, and, and uh, lots and lots of that humility and vulnerability and bravery to keep going. Put on your own case.